Hello, friends. It's December 12th, and this is the One Year Bible Tour Guide podcast, where we read through the Bible together, taking successive portions each day from the Old and New Testaments over a one-year period. You are welcome to jump on board at any time. My name is David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher at New Life Community Church, and I hope to be an encourager in your development of a daily, healthy, spiritual regimen of prayerful, reflective, comprehensive reading of God's Word, trusting that you will delight in it. Today in the New Testament, we will be reading in the book of Revelation the letters of the Lord Jesus to two churches in Asia Minor, the Church of Philadelphia and the Church at Laodicea. One is a faithful church, given much encouragement. The other is a lukewarm church, given much warning. In the Old Testament, we are continuing to read the book of Amos. This is an 8th century B.C. prophet, a contemporary of Isaiah and Jeremiah, accurately predicting the judgments upon the northern and southern kingdoms when the time of God's long-suffering towards his covenant partners runs out. These prophecies remind us of our need to be in a right relationship with God when we meet him. One judgment that God brings upon his covenant-breaking people is a famine of hearing the word of the Lord in Amos chapter 8, verse 11. Remember that there will be a 400-year period of silence with no prophecies in Israel until the coming of John the Baptist. Against the stark reality that God judges sin, there is a promise of God showing mercy towards the repentant and believing. The book of Amos will end with encouraging words that the Lord will one day establish his kingdom as he promised. Israel and Judah will be united and submitted to their rightful king, the one true God. There is a coming period of peace and prosperity. In Amos chapter 9, verses 14 and 15, we read, Also, I will restore the captivity of my people Israel, and they will rebuild the ruined cities and live in them. They will also plant vineyards and drink their wine, and make gardens and eat their fruit. I will also plant them on their land, and they will not again be rooted out from their land, which I have given them, says the Lord your God. So let's go now to the book of Amos, where we start reading in Amos chapter 7. Amos chapter 7, Warning Visions This is what the Lord God showed me. Behold, he was forming locusts when the latter growth was just beginning to sprout, and behold, it was the latter growth after the king's mowings. When they had finished eating the grass of the land, I said, O Lord God, please forgive. How can Jacob stand? He is so small. The Lord relented concerning this. It shall not be, said the Lord. This is what the Lord God showed me. Behold, the Lord God was calling for a judgment by fire, and it devoured the great deep and was eating up the land. Then I said, O Lord God, please cease. How can Jacob stand? He is so small. The Lord relented concerning this. This also shall not be, said the Lord God. This is what he showed me. Behold, the Lord was standing beside a wall built with a plumb line, with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? And I said, A plumb line. Then the Lord said, Behold, I am setting a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. I will never again pass by them. The high places of Isaac shall be made desolate, and the sanctuaries of Israel shall be laid waste, and I will rise against the house of Jeroboam with the sword. Then Amaziah the priest of Bethel 
sent to Jeroboam king of Israel, saying, Amos has conspired against you in the midst of the house of Israel. The land is not able to bear all his words. For thus Amos has said, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel must go into exile away from his land. And Amaziah said to Amos, O seer, go, flee away from the land of Judah, and eat bread there, and prophesy there, but never again prophesy at Bethel, for it is the king's sanctuary, and it is a temple of the kingdom. Then Amos answered and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet, nor a prophet's son, but I was a herdsman and a dresser of sycamore figs. But the Lord took me from following the flock, and the Lord said to me, Go, prophesy to my people Israel. Now therefore hear the word of the Lord. You say, Do not prophesy against Israel, and do not preach against the house of Isaac. Therefore thus says the Lord, Your wife shall be a prostitute in the city, and your sons and your daughters shall fall by the sword, and your land shall be divided up with a measuring line. You yourself shall die in an unclean land, and Israel shall surely go into exile away from its land. Chapter 8 the coming day of bitter mourning. This is what the Lord God showed me. Behold, a basket of summer fruit. And he said, Amos, what do you see? And I said, A basket of summer fruit. Then the Lord said to me, The end has come upon my people Israel. I will never again pass by them. The songs of the temple shall become wailings in that day, declares the Lord God. So many dead bodies, they are thrown everywhere. Silence. Hear this, you who trample on the needy, and bring the poor of the land to an end, saying, When will the new moon be over, that we may sell grain, and the Sabbath, that we may offer wheat for sale, that we may make the ephah small, and the shekel great, and deal deceitfully with false balances, that we may buy the poor for silver, and the needy for a pair of sandals, and sell the chaff of the wheat? The Lord has sworn by the pride of Jacob, Surely I will never forget any of their deeds. Shall not the land tremble on this account, and every one mourn who dwells in it, and all of it rise like the Nile, and be tossed about and sink again like the Nile of Egypt? And on that day, declares the Lord God, I will make the sun go down at noon, and darken the earth in broad daylight. I will turn your feasts into mourning, and all your songs into lamentation. I will bring sackcloth on every waist, and baldness on every head. I will make it like the morning for an only son, and the end of it like a bitter day. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord God, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea, and from north to east. They shall run to and fro, to seek the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. In that day the lovely virgins and the young men shall faint for thirst. Those who swear by the guilt of Samaria, and say, As your God lives, O Dan, and as the way of Beersheba lives, they shall fall, and never rise again. Chapter 9 The Destruction of Israel I saw the Lord standing beside the altar, and he said, Strike the capitals until the thresholds shake, and shatter them on the heads of all the people. And those who are left of them I will kill with a sword. Not one of them shall flee away, not one of them shall escape. If they dig into Sheol, from there shall my hand take them. If they climb up to heaven, 
from there I will bring them down. If they hide themselves on the top of Carmel, from there I will search them out and take them. And if they hide from my sight at the bottom of the sea, there I will command the serpent, and it shall bite them. And if they go into captivity before their enemies, there I will command the sword, and it shall kill them. And I will fix my eyes upon them for evil and not for good. The Lord God of hosts, he who touches the earth and it melts, and all who dwell in it mourn, and all of it rises like the Nile and sinks again like the Nile of Egypt, who builds his upper chambers in the heavens and founds his vault upon the earth, who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out upon the surface of the earth. The Lord is his name. Are you not like the Cushites to me, O people of Israel, declares the Lord? Did I not bring up Israel from the land of Egypt and the Philistines from Kaphtor and the Syrians from Kerr? Behold, the eyes of the Lord God are upon the sinful kingdom, and I will destroy it from the surface of the ground, except that I will not utterly destroy the house of Jacob, declares the Lord. For behold, I will command and shake the house of Israel among all the nations as one shakes with a sieve, but no pebble shall fall to the earth. All the sinners of my people shall die by the sword, who say disaster shall not overtake or meet us. The Restoration of Israel In that day I will raise up the booth of David that is fallen, and repair its breaches, and raise up its ruins, and rebuild it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom, and all the nations who are called by my name, declares the Lord who does this. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper, and the treader of grapes, him who sows the seed. The mountains shall drip sweet wine, and all the hills shall flow with it. I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel, and they shall rebuild the ruined cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink their wine, and they shall make gardens and eat their fruit. I will plant them on their land, and they shall never again be uprooted, out of the land that I have given them, says the Lord your God. And this concludes today's reading portion from the Old Testament, and this concludes the prophecy of Amos. So now we will take a few moments to recap and reflect. Amos is shown possible scenarios of judgments. God can judge with a plague of locusts in chapter 7, verses 1 through 3, or he can use fire in chapter 7, verses 4 through 6. Amos pleads for mercy, knowing that Jacob would not survive. How can Jacob stand? He is so small. The use of the name Jacob highlights the nation having returned to the old nature of the supplanter and cheater. The Lord relents. This is another example of how prayerful intercession can change history. God listens to prayer. He wants us to engage with His mind, discover His justice and mercy. He encourages us to intercede. God then shows Amos a vision of a plumb line and a wall. The role of the prophet is to declare the truth. It is the plumb line by which the Lord measures what is upright. King Jeroboam is doing what seems to be right in his own eyes, but his evaluation cannot stand in the light of God's plumb line. It is a crooked wall. We must all line up with God's word. Amaziah, the priest of false worship at Bethel, warns Jeroboam of the damaging indictment Amos is bringing against Israel. 
The word of the Lord is a plumb line that condemns unrighteousness. Amaziah passes on Amos's prophecy of the future. The king will die by the sword, and Israel must go into exile. Amaziah then goes to Amos with orders for him to be expelled from Israel. Amos defends himself, proclaiming that it is God who has raised him up to speak his word. He boldly pronounces judgment on Amaziah and his household. He reaffirms the original prophecy, Israel will go into exile, and Amaziah will die there in an unclean land. Amos chapter 7, verse 17. Amos is then shown a vision of a basket of ripe fruit. The Lord announces, The time is ripe for Israel's judgment. The songs in the temple will turn to wailing. A day of darkness and famine will come, not a famine of food or of water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine for bread or a thirst for water, but rather for hearing the words of the Lord. People will stagger from sea to sea and from the north even to the east. They will go to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. Amos chapter 8 verses 11 and 12. We can easily take the hearing of the words of the Lord for granted. Here, as a sign of judgment, the Lord withdraws this privilege from Israel. There will be no prophet for Israel until John the Baptist comes to call the nation to repentance and to prepare the way of the Lord. The judgment is inescapable. Amos chapter 9 verses 1 through 4. There is a repeated description. The whole land rises like the Nile and sinks like the river of Egypt in Amos chapter 8 verse 8 and chapter 9 verse 5. Not long after this prophecy, there was a massive earthquake in Israel. The prophet Zechariah was still talking about it 250 years later in Zechariah chapter 14 verse 5. And then in Amos chapter 9 verse 8 we read, Behold, the eyes of the Lord God are on the sinful kingdom, and I will destroy it from the face of the earth. Nevertheless, I will not totally destroy the house of Jacob, declares the Lord. There is a prophecy given in verses 11 and 12. In that day I will raise up the fallen booth, that is the tabernacle of David, and wall up its breaches. I will also raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations who are called by my name, declares the Lord who does this. Has this been fulfilled? James, a leader in the church in Jerusalem, quotes this verse in Acts chapter 15, verses 16 and 17, seeing how David's lineage has been restored through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the anointed son of David, the king of kings, and is ascended at the right hand of God. Through him the testimony of God is repaired. Indeed, the risen and exalted Christ is head over all things to the church, which is composed of Jews and Gentiles. Edom and all the nations refer to the Gentiles. But there is more to come. Jesus must return to reign over Israel and the nations, and extend the borders of the promised land back to what was divinely deeded to them. The last two prophets to the northern ten tribes were Amos and Hosea. Amos was tough. Hosea was tender. Amos emphasized God's justice. Hosea, God's mercy. Amos came with strong accusations. Hosea with a strong appeal. Amos spoke to the mind. Hosea to the heart. There was a merciful promise of a future for Israel in Amos. I will also plant them on their land 
and they will not again be rooted out from the land which I have given them, says the Lord your God. Amos chapter 9, verse 15. Now let's move on to the New Testament portion for our reading today, Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 through 22. We have been reading the letters of the Lord Jesus to the seven churches of Asia Minor, and today we will be reading his letters to the churches at Philadelphia and Laodicea. Let's start with Revelation chapter 3, verse 7, to the church in Philadelphia. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, The words of the Holy One and the True One, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but a little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan, who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie, Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world, to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have, so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to the church in Laodicea. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, The words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works, you are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So, because you are lukewarm, and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich, and white garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and solve to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him, and eat with him, and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my Father on His throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And this concludes our reading from today's portion in the New Testament from the last book of the Bible, the Revelation of Jesus Christ. Let's take a few moments to recap and reflect. What have we seen so far in reading Jesus' letters to the churches of Asia Minor? First of all, we have seen a church that left its first love, the church at Ephesus. Secondly, we saw a church that was faithful, although it was being crushed by persecution. That is the church of Smyrna. Thirdly, there was a church that compromised with the world, that turned God's grace into a negligence of holiness, the church at Pergamon. Then we read of a church that tolerated doctrinal and moral impurity, the church at Thyatira. And then we read of a church that is dead but has a reputation of being alive, 
the church at Sardis. And today we have read Jesus' letters to the churches of Philadelphia and Laodicea. Only the churches at Smyrna and Philadelphia were given commendations without any corrections. Interestingly, only the churches at Smyrna and Philadelphia exist today. Smyrna being Izmir, Turkey, and Philadelphia being Al-Zahir. Jesus introduces himself to the church at Philadelphia as the one who is holy and true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. The key of David represents the authority given to the Messiah to determine who enters the kingdom of God and who is refused entrance. Once the door is closed, no one can open it. The decision is in his hands. Judgment is certain. The good news is that those in his church are given the assurance that the door to the kingdom is presently open to them. They have kept his word and not denied his name, even though they have a little power, most likely referring to their minority status in the community, their being small in number, resources, and worldly influence. They recognize that their strength was not sufficient and leaned on his mighty power. The Lord promises that he will act on their behalf, so that even their enemies will have to acknowledge that the believers at Philadelphia are beloved of God, in chapter 3, verse 9. He also promises that he will keep them from the hour of trial that is to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. They are to hold on to their crown, in Revelation chapter 3, verse 11. There are various interpretations of the phrase, the hour of trial. Some see this as the great tribulation that will occur on the earth as described in Revelation chapters 6 through 19, the time of Jacob's trouble, in Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7. The immediate application may be the imminent persecutions from Rome, but the context implies something bigger, something global. This group is promised that they will be delivered from some particular hour of testing. Others believe that they will be delivered through that testing. Still others believe that the tribulation here speaks only of general undisclosed times of distress. The church at Philadelphia is given a third promise, that they will be made a pillar in the temple of God, that they will have a stable future in God's kingdom, in God's city, and a new name written upon each one. The last of the seven churches to be addressed is the church in Laodicea. Laodicea was known for its wealth and for its eye salve. It was also located between Hierapolis, a city known for its hot springs, and Colossae, a city known for its fresh cold water. Laodicea did not have sufficient water supply, so it piped in cold water from Colossae and hot water from Hierapolis. The problem was that by the time the water arrived in Laodicea, it was neither hot or cold, but only lukewarm. Jesus uses their water problem as an illustration of their spiritual problem. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. The Laodicean church was self-sufficient and proud. It was self-satisfied and self-deceived. Their own eye salve could not heal their spiritual blindness. Because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing, 
and you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Revelation chapter 3, verse 17. The Lord gives them this counsel. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may become rich, and white garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed, and I salve to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. Revelation chapter 3, verse 18. He assures them that it is his love that is behind this counsel. Therefore, they should repent. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. Revelation chapter 3, verses 19 and 20. He promises that those believers or overcomers will be positioned in him at the throne and share in his throne rights, reigning together with him in the ages to come. Now let's move on to our next stop in our Bible reading tour, Psalm 131, verses 1 through 3. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up, my eyes are not raised too high, I will not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me, but I have calmed and quieted my soul, like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord, from this time forth and forevermore. All the readings today speak of the importance of being humble before God, owning up to our sin and turning away from it. We are to transfer our trust to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Here is a picture of humility. O Lord, my heart is not proud, nor my eyes haughty, nor do I involve myself in great matters or in things too difficult for me. Surely I have composed and quieted my soul like a weaned child rests against his mother. My soul is like a weaned child within me. Psalm 131, verses 1 and 2. A child that is weaned is no longer relying on his or her mother's milk. They know enough of Christ's truth and love to be able to feed and rest in that awareness. May we all put our hope in the Lord, knowing that He keeps us safe and secure forever. Now for our final stop in our Bible reading tour today, we go to the book of Proverbs. We are reading Proverbs 29, verse 23. A man's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will obtain honor. We have heard this throughout the Bible. Pride is at the heart of sin, and the wages of sin is death. Arrogance leads to humiliation. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall, yet a humble spirit brings honor and respect. Jesus reminds us of this in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14, verses 8 through 11. When you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for someone more distinguished than you may have been invited by him, and he who invited you both will come and say to you, Give your place to this man, and then in disgrace you proceed to occupy the last place. But when you are invited, go and recline at the last place, so that when the one who has invited you comes, he may say to you, Friend, move up higher. Then you will have honor in the sight of all who are at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now let's pray in the light of what we have read. Lord, we need your word. It is a plumb line. 
It is a refining fire. It is a two-edged sword. It convicts and it converts. It slays our old life in Adam and forces us to reckon with the verdict of the cross. It releases the resurrection life of Christ in us, restoring our souls to your promised rest. We humble ourselves before you and repent of our sins. We ask that we would be so connected with you in vital fellowship that we would never be lukewarm or useless. We pray that your glory and grace would be manifestly present in our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. I trust that our time spent together today has encouraged you, for we know that all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness, so that we would be made adequate, equipped for every good work. And I hope that you've sensed that today. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can always write us at podcast at newlife.org. And if you would like to receive a written copy of our commentary on each day's reading from the One Year Bible, you can subscribe to receive an email every day at newlife.org. Until next time, we bless you in the name of the Lord, our righteousness, our King, Priest, Prophet, the appointed Judge of the living and the dead, and this world's only Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. May the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you through the reconciling work of our Savior. Shalom.